Alright, uh, yeah. Looks like we're live. Welcome to Red Smoke Episode 9, Take 2. Oh yeah. Last week we, we had some trouble. The stream went down after like 25 minutes. So I still haven't uh, figured out what exactly happened. It could be my fault. Could be YouTube. I don't know. So you guys, even the, the best organized, highest budget show in history can have a bad day. <laughs> Fingers crossed that it's going to be better today. Looks good so far. Yeah. So what is going to happen today is that, look, we had this problem last week and uh, the stream did not only went down, it disappeared. And the first 25 minutes in, in which many interesting things came up, actually, well, those are lost like uh, tears and rain. <laughs> but Alex and I are going to recreate those 25 minutes as as accurately as possible, I would say. At least a few things, since many interesting talking points came up. And the first thing, Alex, I didn't even have to write that down. I remember how I, I kicked off episode 9, take 1. And I said to you, uh, nothing gets a show going like a stupid tweet. And do you, do you remember the, the, the thing about the Mars stuff? Um, only vaguely, to be honest. I don't quite remember what this tweet was about. Yeah, that's the, that's the funny thing, because I was, I was thinking about this a few seconds before I started the call with you. And because there was this guy on Twitter who was so excited about this Mars thing, I was like, oh. yeah, we have conquered Mars now, right? And now check this out. So interesting to look back on it. It's, it's been a fucking week, and who in the world still talks about this? This guy, I guess. <laughs> so, what about those fast fading <laughs> trends? It's oh, it's actually quite funny because I remember one scene. Was it scene? Yeah, from John B. Peterson. Mm -hmm. uh, where he was. It's a, it's a bit off topic, but he was asked about some topic I don't remember and offending people and he said just stick to your word and wait two weeks then it will be gone <laughs> and this is pretty much how the internet or pretty much media and everything these days works it's a week maybe two that such things are interesting and then they're gone again out of people's minds which is kind of weird but I guess it's how it is yeah you know the first thing I just uh, I was just thinking about was I remember watching the reaction videos from the Joe Biden election in New York City, right at like Times Square in Manhattan, where people were going out of their houses and then a car parade, uh, celebrating like a huge party in the streets. And it's all gone now. It's so interesting to see how easy it is to make people feel euphoric about something and how fast that almost instantly drops. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that is, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I guess people are just very, like, sensational. And yes. something that triggers the emotions, especially, you know, like, things like Biden or catastrophes or something like that, that really keeps them mm -hmm. awake or even thinking about it. And then, however, they notice pretty quickly that this has really nothing to do with their life and changes it in any way. Yeah. And then they keep proceeding as always. And this is gone again. Uh, I guess this is... They just cannot make the connection that these things don't influence their life at all. Mm -hmm. So there's no 
like pointing and going crazy about it in the first place, but they notice it pretty quickly, like a week later. You know, it's also a really, really good example. Actually, pr- pretty nice because we are a German podcast. Uh, also, do you also remember, of course, when Germany won the World Cup in 2014, the uh, soccer World Cup? Yeah. And and I don't know about your memory. We, we, did, we didn't know each other back in the days, of course. But I remember people went crazy, like oh, yeah. like really uh, berserk. Like it's the biggest party I've ever seen in Germany up until this day, really. And the next day, everyone went to work clothed in like black, red and gold and, and or the German jersey, very euphoric. And like two or three days later, everyone became like mundane again, like the same yeah. as boring life. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting to see how how short that kind of happiness actually lasts. That's, yes. Yeah. This is, I think, actually a great point you mentioned there because I think this is true for this whole society and especially consumerism mm-hmm. we live in. If you think about it, whatever you buy these new shiny things, they don't last very long. Yes. Like in the dopamine rush you get from it. Um. It's really just a very short-lived pleasure. And people just cannot seem to make the connection that this doesn't make them happy, like long-term. Mm-hmm. This is why people keep buying new stuff, even though it's boring after two, three days or maybe weeks, whatever you buy. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> they cannot make this connection that you need something else, like being in tune with yourself, being healthy, stuff like that, mm-hmm. doing what you really want, like passion or purpose. That these things keep you happy and not constantly buying new stuff or going crazy over some news like we landing on Mars, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. And it's, it's really weird to me that this connection just cannot be made somehow by people. It's so interesting that so many people, however, get influenced by it. I mean, I myself did party on the streets when <laughs> Germany won the World Cup. I mean, I mean, I believe it was more like... Uh, because it was a party, so I wanted to to party yeah. with the people. But 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 anyways, it's it's so interesting that like when there is like something as a World Cup, like eighty ninety percent, just making things up. Uh, but it feels like eighty ninety percent of the of the people are interested in that, and their mood actually changes. Because I I was I was working at that time, and like you could say nine to five, and. Yeah. You could really see the mood changes like when Germany has lost a game and when they had oh, won yeah. a game. Like 180. Really. It's it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think especially in the context of a World Cup, whatever it might be, right. a soccer or any other sport, I think it's really just the, the, yeah, the national connection you have to your country. Mm. And or you, yeah, you should have to your culture or where you live. Now I say should have, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter if you do it or not. Like truly believe in your country, and mm. but I still think that this is something that influences people a lot. Even if they don't like to admit it, especially Germans don't like admit- admitting that they like their country. I mean, some do. Um, yeah. But if you do, or if you don't do, it doesn't really matter. In the context of these World Cup you finally get to do it again and without judgment. Mm-hmm. And you suddenly see like the German flag outside everywhere and people wearing these jerseys, which they never do before. Mm-hmm. And 
So they have a connection to their country all of a sudden, and they are like pride of showing it, uh, proud of showing it. And yeah, I think this is really what connects them also with the country and with other people. So they're finally like a, a huge tribe again, mm -hmm. until like regular days set in again and everyone does their own thing. <laughs> yeah, it's always in, uh, interesting to see how how long that kind of happiness lasts. Yes. Like, like how long can a World Cup win actually make you happy? Like, it's not changing your life or something, you know? <laughs> it's so pathetic. It reminds it's me exactly. of... Yeah, yeah. So this is what I am thought about or think about constantly when, <clears throat> when I hear people, especially men, going crazy, like, on each Sunday watching soccer. This is, you know, a thing in Germany a lot. Sure. And like the whole Sunday afternoon, I don't know how long this whole thing goes. Mm -hmm. And they're like screaming at the people, like the other man in the TV doing their job <laughs> mm -hmm. while they're sitting there with their beer. And this is always such a weird image to me. I don't know. It's just, but I guess it's part of German culture, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I always have this picture in my mind where someone in a, in a white tank top is sitting yes. in front of his TV, like 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 f one meter in front of it, like screaming at the at the <laughs> at the screen, and the and the thing is like his he, he's gonna get his wife late, but only if his team wins, like if his team loses, <laughs> like don't even talk to me and stuff. <laughs> it's so pathetic. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy how you can get so emotional about what other men do. This is yeah, crazy. that's that's yeah yeah. I mean, because it's not nothing you have achieved. Or not achieved, mm -hmm. or however it uh, turned out to be, it's nothing you did. Other men did that, mm -hmm. and they are following their passion or purpose or whatever. You're just sitting there with your wife beater, you know, <laughs> and uh, the beer. So <clears throat> it's really it's, it's such a weird thing to me. But but I think that's not really just a German thing, mm -hmm. even though it's pretty crazy about here uh, over here. But uh, sports gen generally this thing where men go crazy about oh, yeah. watching other men do it oh, yeah. and yeah it's just weird to me to Absolutely. Be i was never a big fan of that mm -hmm. uh before we continue uh, i have a question from i believe jason g uh, in the chat and he said uh he would like to hear our opinion on the movie gladiator and i wasn't thinking about it before uh, up until now and you know we're like collecting topics for the next week and i believe gladiator would be a good choice what do you say that is actually a fantastic choice yeah are you not entertained yeah <laughs> um, yeah it's a great meme absolutely that's so um, much more than a great meme i would say yeah definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, that's actually a good idea yeah for some reason, this uh, eluded me as well. This movie, even though it's a great movie, I was I wasn't topic. thinking about it at all. And it's funny because I really connect this movie a lot to Troy, and we were talking yes. about Troy so much yes. already. I wasn't thinking about Gladiator at all. So that's um, yeah. Thank you, Jason, for for pointing that out. I think we're gonna we'll do a stream on that soon. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would also like to like rewatch the movie. So I actually have a have a reason to rewatch it. Yeah, actually, awesome. I use Red Smoke a lot to rewatch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I 
reason to actually spend the time to do it. Yeah, that's that's what uh, will make a rant stream so difficult. Because, you know, remember uh, we talked yesterday and we were like, hey, maybe we're going to do some rant streams as well. Like talking about yeah. really bad movies. But that would mean that we would have to watch the bad movies. But uh, Yeah, that is an issue. Yeah, the yeah. things we do for love, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess so. <laughs> so before we before we start, can I just read out this article headline? Because I was I was I was uh, finding something in the internet. It was the the most hilarious thing. I I actually heard it heard about it in another podcast. Uh, and if I would be an right. asshole, like a like a class one asshole, I would send it to you on Discord to read it out loud. But I'm not gonna do that, okay? I'm not gonna do. That. Let me let me just read it out loud. Because it will totally relate to our topic of the week. Swear to God. Okay, are you ready? I am. The headline is Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle reportedly explodes in UK women's home. Um, uh, <laughs> you see, I'm lost towards there. Uh, <laughs> wait, does it explode in women's homes or is this like a metaphor or something? All right, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna illuminate you. All right, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, of course, a famous actress. You probably know her from uh, yes. Seven, David Fincher's Seven, also Iron Man, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. So apparently, our girl Gwyneth has produced like candles that smell like her vagina. You can actually Google it. It's crazy. I was I was doing I was doing my research, you know, to keep this show as high quality as possible. Uh, that, oh, like, yeah. and, and you know what? They're like seventy-five dollars for like one candle. Um. Well, I mean, you can tell that you can <laughs> virtually sell everything. Now, don't anyone listening? Don't come at me that you cannot make money online. Yeah. If you see this, thing. you know. I mean, <laughs> this is just crazy. Why would anyone buy that? I. I well, stupid question. Because I remember when. This Twitch streamer girl, whatever her name is, was oh, selling her. Talking about bathwater. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember this shit. And I was like, at first I was like, who the hell is going to buy this? And then I was reminded of what kind of men are out there. Mm-hmm. And then it was obvious who's going <laughs> to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I was so. I was reading this headline, or more or less, I was, I was listening in, on, in another podcast about it. Then I was researching it, and there's actually this headline. Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle reportedly explodes in UK women's home. And I'm like, how does a candle explode? It's such a, it's, also... it's such a cryptic, uh, <laughs> such cryptic headline. So, yes, yeah. but it's also oddly specific. Why in UK homes? Do they not explode somewhere else? You know, the thing is, I was wondering, I, I would like to stay anonymous. I, I I don't know if they want to say no. You know, coming out to your friends like, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm a vagina candle connoisseur. Like like I'm I'm a, I'm a collector. <laughs> like so oh, cool. a collector. Yes. Nice. Um, oh, yes. No, no, there are actually yeah, but... there are actually the names in there from from those people. Everybody who's Thank listening, you, you can you can uh, Google that. I'm not making this shit up. That's you see you, you see this people virtually telling everyone they have vagina candles, but then. <laughs> On the other day, or at, you know, in the office, rather, uh, you're concerned about privacy, you know, and mm. laws and all of that. <laughs> you, 
people are just weird yeah. let's just summarize it like that <laughs> i don't know how, how yeah but how do candles explode i'm still confused about i don't know i don't know the, the problem is that the article doesn't really deal with that the only thing i get is a quote from from the owner and she said uh the candle exploded and emitted huge flames with bits flying everywhere like some like <laughs> some like some <laughs> some 15 year old uh, i don't know i don't know Man, this is this is crazy. I'm also confused about the fact that UK women are buying this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I assume it was a couple, which oh. I don't know if this Oops, would. Even worse. I don't know if this would make it worse or better. I mean, you don't I, think so? I mean, like imagine this talk. You have uh, like I have a talk with your wife, and like, you know what? What we would really need. Like a candle that smells like the vagina of Gwyneth Paltrow, and, and you girl be like, "Yeah, yeah, that would save our love life." <laughs> um, you know, if that would be the case, I think this relationship would be over, mm. at least for me. Hmm. But you see, maybe I'm just projecting there, and it's actually great and it helps people. Uh, <laughs> then, then by by all means, go with it. I don't care, but My be careful God. they explode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everybody, welcome to Red Smoke episode nine. <laughs> it's gonna be a good one. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, like I said last week, we had we had some issues. Was discuss something, and this week we we gonna hopefully discuss it without any interference. I was confessing last week that I didn't know, like up until two years ago, that Constantine was actually a comic book adaptation, and I don't remember. Did you know it as well? I didn't um, until I watched it the first time, I think. So it's been a few years, actually, since mm -hmm. I know New Day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's Hellblazer. That's the name of the comic. And uh, like I said last time, people were afraid it would be confused with Hellraiser. That's why they changed the name to Constantine. And I remember we had this very interesting uh, discussion. I, w I would like to have it again, like for uh, for people to, to listen to it as well. Because... I couldn't get my hands on the. I still couldn't get my hands on the on the comic, but it still sounds very intriguing to me because many people said in the reviews that the 2005 movie is kind of wishy-washy compared to the original comic. And I'm like, hmm, I would be interested. And and uh, the question I had last time was, uh, if you ever like read comics. Of, or if that's if that's like a thing, I don't I don't remember uh, how exactly that discussion started but it was like uh would it be appropriate for a grown-up man to to read like comics yeah i think this is what we talked about mm -hmm. um like if you see a grown-up man like on the train reading a comic what would you think of him yeah and i mean it's not just what i think but i think most people would be like what the hell is this man doing he's a grown man why is he reading children's comics yes and this is funny because as we said multiple times already, uh, comic books actually have, at least sometimes, pretty deep topics, mm -hmm. like societal or governmental or the world in general and people. Sometimes they're truly deep topics they talk about and interesting topics. But it's this, I think it's the, the way it's displayed in these, yeah, comic images and because if you think about it, like picture books are usually for kids, right? Right. This is because they cannot read full-fledged textbooks 
quite easily, especially mm. in the beginning of their life. So I think this is how uh, why we associate like comics with children because they're usually mostly images, and this is mostly like, for kids, I guess, mm-hmm. as opposed to a full-fledged textbook. So either way, this is, however, just projection, pretty much, right? Because these comics sometimes truly have like great stories. Mm-hmm. This is also why they are made into movies and then suddenly people enjoy them very much yeah <laughs> which is funny but because yeah. yeah which is funny because constantine 2005 is actually an original screenplay so to speak so it actually doesn't have much in common with the the hellblazer comics if you will uh i would consider it like uh speaking of genre i would say it's a horror movie would you agree Genre-wise, I would say yes. Hmm. Um, I, think expect, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it even starts like that with an exorcism, right? Yes, so, yes. Um, I guess if you see the first five minutes, you think, all right, I'm, I stumbled into a horror movie there. Mm-hmm. And throughout the movie, there are some scenes. So generally, I would say, yes, it's probably a horror movie with a story, like a proper story, as opposed to most horror movies who really just don't have a good story. Yeah. I believe that was also something we talked about uh, in take one. Like, what's your take on horror movies in general? Oh, yes. <clears throat> right, I remember that. I, while I have watched many horror movies mm-hmm. in the past, <clears throat> I don't actually like them anymore, to be honest. Okay, why is that? Well... To me, they are boring, because mm-hmm. especially these kind of splatter movies like Saw or something like right. that. Um, this is really just like yeah, the human um, body displayed in weird situations. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. And there's really not. There's never a really good story in there. I mean, Saw One, for example, was maybe interesting because it was something new. Mm-hmm. Saw Nine was still the same shit. So yeah. <laughs> Um, I personally like movies that make me think. I've said this before, right? Mm. Or that that have some deep meaning, or at least some yeah, some story parts you can think about at least a little bit. It doesn't have to be full fledged analysis afterwards, but right. at least some things that make you think a little bit, even though the rest of it is action. Mm-hmm. And this is what I like. So I actually like some movies, like horror movies, that have suspense in there this is what i like i don't even need to see blood spilled anywhere it's if there is a movie and there is one movie that comes to mind that has that this is complete the one and a half hours runtime it has it is completely set up in a way that you don't actually see something if i remember correctly or at least not much mm-hmm. maybe a few seconds but this whole movie is built on suspense and it's actually very very interesting to watch mm-hmm. The name is actually Sinister, if you want to ask. What the movie is. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. It was a great movie. I like that a lot. Yeah, for many deemed as one of the best horror movies of all time, including the. Uh, they, they once did this experiment where they, they got the pulse of the people watching horror movies, and I believe Sinister peaked there, along with uh, Insidious, I believe. 
I'm not sure. Oh, really? oh yeah, Insidious was good as well. Yeah, yeah. I believe Insidious has like the had like the the worst jump scare, and by worst I mean best. Yeah. Uh, where <laughs> where the pulse or where the heart rate. I don't know exactly how I say. I'm not a. Uh, I'm kind of like making a fool of myself. Uh, what's the correct word for that? But uh, I believe people would get the idea. Yeah, Insidious had like the best jump scare, and uh, Sinister is very very. Uh, up at the top as well yeah horror it's a great movie yeah Mm -hmm. and i think both these movies you just mentioned or you mentioned sinister and insidious they have a story to it right this i I think is what makes it interesting i mean people just like stories we we've established that Mm -hmm. and especially even in a horror movie scenario i still think this is very important yes and uh I have the feeling, like, especially with... Uh, I don't know what's your take on It and It 2. I don't really want to get too much into it, but uh, when I look at cinema, like, uh, in the last five years or the last five or ten years, it's always, like, this generic uh, summer horror flick that comes out. Like, I'm talking post... Uh, I'm talking pre-COVID time. I have, like, this generic horror flick. And, like, okay... It's gonna get in there because it's like a horror movie, and uh, you know, you're gonna watch it. You are already pre-assuming, okay? There's not gonna be much of a story, like maybe uh, two or three nice jump scares, and that's it. It's basically what horror has become, right? Yes, I think that is exactly what it has become, which is, in my opinion, completely dead as boring. If mm-hmm. I can say it that way. Um, yeah, they really are missing. Well, I don't know if you can really do something new to the horror genre, mm-hmm. because I think most things have been done, but maybe someone has a completely new idea. But yeah, they just—I mean, this is a general issue for Hollywood, isn't it? They just regurgitating all the same shit oh, yeah. each year, pretty much, or making remakes from old classics and ruining them in the process. <laughs> Stuff like that, and I think it's the same with horror movies. Yeah, uh, I don't even know how <clears throat> how many times the Friday the Thirteenth has been remade. Mm. Uh, for example, <laughs> really just another. It's pretty much mostly a, a teenage movie, and then some horror scenes in there where they get killed, and this is pretty much it. Also, Halloween. And, I don't know how many parts of that already. Uh, ha- uh, like part twenty is coming out soon. I don't know. Crazy. <laughs> interestingly Constantine is from the year 2005 same as Batman Begins Uh, and I said this 5 million times already and we are just on episode 9 but you could kind of say movies peaked there we also have V for Vendetta I don't want to I also don't want to get into this much I don't know if we ever going to do a stream on that Uh, what's your take on that like uh, very quickly Uh, I would actually love a stream on that Mm -hmm. But um, just to talk about it briefly, mm-hmm. this is a very important movie, especially these days, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was ahead of its time with the topic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, these days people are just using the anonymous mask without really understanding what, <laughs> what it means. Yeah. But this is where it originated from, is if, everyone, if anyone is confused. This movie had it first, and I think this movie is such a great display of 
an actor who doesn't show his face because he's wearing a mask most of the time, but still is able to portray like emotions and feelings and what he what he's about. This mm-hmm. is very well done. By I forgot his name. Yeah, he was like who, you know Mr. Smith. Let's call him. Yes. Let's call him, uh, Hugo Hugo Weaving. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. That's him. And he, I think, played this very well. And it's not just the acting; it's a very, very great story mm-hmm. of uh, the people and the power of the people, and what they can do if they stick together and fight against the government. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, this is obviously a very timely movie i think even these days or especially these days mm-hmm. and it reminded me heavily of the book 1984 oh yes and i guess it was also influenced to some degree by it and it was truly a very very great movie definitely should watch it if you haven't mm-hmm. i don't know i'm a little bit skeptical about doing a stream on that movie i gotta be honest with you not trying to uh trying to offend anyone or trying to offend you. Uh, from my point of view, it would be kind of pretentious to talk about this movie. It's the same with 1984. I'm going to explain why. Uh, because I always have the feeling that uh, people who are... or the people who are actually being described in the book as, for example, the bad guys, you know, are the ones who are pointing fingers at each other while they rely on the novel. This might sound a little bit confusing, uh, but but it's ironic. I, I just don't want to be that kind of guy, you see, because both sides, like uh, imagine we have like the left wing or the right wing or something like that, or the rich or the poor, it doesn't matter. Uh, I believe both sides are like passive aggressively relying on the novel because I've seen people I disagree with on a political level or I don't know, my belief system or whatever but they refer to 1984 the same way i do and that's so that's so like ironic you know in what way do they refer to it that's like uh you know the same the the exact same thing uh thing you just said that it's a movie especially made for our times or it is uh you know and ironically, the same people say the same thing. So it's a, it's like it's like oh, it's like yeah. it's like basically every person could say, uh, "Yeah, I'm referring to 1984." Oh no, I see what you. You know, you know, you know what I mean. It's 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 uh it's I believe something like Matrix, a movie that is so vague that it can be interpreted in so many ways that I believe everyone could be right if they. I don't know, but choose the right words, I believe. So it's really yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really hard for me to talk about this. Uh, yeah, I hope I. Yeah, it might be right. Yeah, but uh, what's your take on the movie? Do you like it? Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. I haven't watched it um, for a long time. For a long yeah. time. So okay, okay, let's do a stream somewhere. So so I have a, I have a reason to to a rewatch reason. it. <laughs> awesome all right also also this is the constantine the second movie we are talking about you know including keanu reeves you know call back to matrix keanu our boy he has made his way back to red smoke there's something about him isn't it i mean i am uh we uh i believe also considering a john wick stream for the future right 
unarguably a promise we can give to the audience. What's the deal with Keanu Reeves, man? I, I just can't help but like this guy. Yeah, I think that is his his thing, pretty much. He's just very likable. Mm -hmm. and yeah, that's interesting, though, because, I mean, it works for Hollywood, or being an actor, I guess. If people like you, that's usually helpful, mm -hmm. you know? But um, I don't know if he... I mean, I don't know him in private, but uh, some people say he's, like, <clears throat> a people pleaser. Maybe. Yes, yes. I don't know. Could be. Uh, I'm not going to judge because I don't know him, so that's pointless. Mm -hmm. But it's just what I heard. And, however, he's just uh, a person you just like seeing on screen. Yeah. I, I don't know I don't know what it is, man. It's it's so hard to get my finger on it. I don't know what it is, but I really like, just like what you said, I really like watching him on screen. Yeah. Huh. And especially with John Wick, he uh, went really into the stylish good scene mm -hmm. of masculine mm -hmm. movies and that's really uh, what i enjoyed so we go on great movies so what do you say like keanu with a beard or without a beard hmm that's a tough one um <laughs> now nah, i actually think i actually like his new look better to be honest the mm -hmm. longer hair and beard. i just like that that fits him better in my opinion yeah, because but i'm still watching constantine was quite interesting or re-watching it rather mm -hmm. Uh, seeing him like shaved with short hair and a bit younger, um, even though you don't actually see his age, um, still it was interesting. He he can uh, wear this quite well. Mm -hmm. Now I also remembered something else, and uh, it was like a spontaneous hot take I had last week, because I was saying that Constantine is the better Neo. I don't know exactly what it was I said. Some kind of. Uh, Constantine is a better character than Neo, or Constantine is at least a character. <laughs> and, I, mm -hmm. and, yeah. Yeah. and I also remember at this very moment the stream went down, so uh, fingers crossed everybody. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was like... Uh, because I was, I was realizing in that moment that... You know, in The Matrix, when, when you have like uh, Keanu Reeves playing Neo, this guy doesn't really have any character, like in the movie. And like, what are his character traits? Yes, I think this is what you said last time. Yeah, yeah. Which is what we were talking about, that Neo doesn't really have any sort of character traits, yes. Mm -hmm. In The Matrix. Mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> but I think, I think we said this as well last time, that it's tough in this movie to get some sort of Neo prequel in, like, or uh, to be more precise, Mr. Anderson. And who mm -hmm. he is mm -hmm. in the beginning. So if you think about it, if the Matrix would start with 50 minutes of introducing Mr. Anderson, what he does, like carry out his garbage, as Mr. Smith says yeah. it quite well, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it would work for a movie like the Matrix. But generally, you are correct. He doesn't really have some sort of character traits, except for being a geeky nerd. Yeah, because when I think of uh, when I think of the character of John Constantine. Yeah. What do you th what do you think about? What is like the first thing that comes to your mind? Yeah, he is that kind of douchebag. Yeah, yeah. Smoke, smoking, badass, like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. I remember this one scene uh, where he is told from the doctor that he has cancer, like stage three or something, mm. lung cancer, mm. or something crazy. And the first thing he does is lighting a cigarette. <laughs> and <laughs> I think the doctor says, "Now that's gonna help." 
And I don't know exactly what he says, but something like, why does it matter now? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. This, I just like this sort of, yeah, this, this mental state of, he's just not faced by things, you know? He just mm-hmm. does his thing either way, whatever it might mean. He's not even very shocked about the cancer itself, which is part of the whole story that he was dead already and he was in hell. Mm-hmm. Sorry, spoiler. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if someone hasn't watched Constantine, this is going to be a tough stream for you, uh, obviously. Yeah, well, I believe if you survived the vagina candles, then this is going to be okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, you you already, you already yeah. went through the hard part, so yeah, yeah. yeah. good job. Yeah. I see. I see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think um, this is also great because he already, this is an important thing, actually, which I teach also a lot or talk about a lot. Mm-hmm that Constantine, Mr. John Constantine, he already went through a lot of shit, which is literal hell in his case, like literal yes, hell. Yes. And this is what made him tough and strong. And this is what makes it possible for him to not be faced by small, like worldly mortal things, if you want to call it that. And I always say, if you have been through some shit in your life and you have overcome struggles and adversity, mm-hmm. Then you have grown as a person, which is the basis of what I say, because especially men these days don't have to go through struggle in any sort of situation. And this is what makes them weak Mm -hmm. among many things. But this is one of them that they never had to really face anything. Like, really, if you think about it, I mean, food is in the fridge easily. You don't really like need to fight off predators. You can just roll to your job or whatever and sit there doing nothing of importance. Mm-hmm. And you don't even need to have like, you don't even need to be prepared. You don't even need to have a body that is capable of fending off someone if need be, even though I would recommend you do. But generally, in our sanitized society, you don't have to. And this is, I think, also why we look up to these kind of characters like John Constantine, because you know, he is a strong man because he has been through some shit. Mm-hmm. And this is true for any hero story ever. Any hero ever needed to overcome either himself or other obstacles, or both in most cases. And through this, he became the hero. And this is what I like about these movies, because it shows, or it should show men what they should be doing, but then they mm-hmm. just keep doing the same shit over and over again. <laughs> uh, would you consider John Constantine, uh, what, Many people will call a badass. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would yeah, say that yeah, I because yeah. I mean he's literally fighting demons, mm-hmm. like literally. Yeah, and he's very chill about it. And <laughs> <laughs> how he does it is also very, very funny. And so I think yeah, because there's always like a, an easy, like an easy joke or sentence coming off his line, uh, his lips when he does it, and. Yeah, I think he's a badass, absolutely. He doesn't even feel like the devil himself. So this is, I mean, a testament, isn't yeah, it? absolutely. Uh, did you know that, speaking of heroes, and this is going to be a tough one, but if you go on the IMDb page and you look for Constantine, like where it has a rating that is way too low for its kind, uh, there's a news headline for Constantine, and it came out like one week ago. I shit you not. Oh, really? Constantine reboot 
coming to HBO Max. No. No, but but but, but no 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 no. I, I haven't even started. Constantine <laughs> reboot coming to HBO Max from J.J. Abrams. Mm. Like, I'm like, why can't I escape you, man? Yes. Why, why is he constantly trying to ruin my my favorite stuff? It's really pissing me off, man. <laughs> yeah, that's of course it's JJ. Abrams. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right, so, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna this is gonna be an interesting one, of course. Uh, an idea like uh, is it though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, entertaining at least. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah so. <laughs> Actually, the director of. Constantine 2005 uh Lawrence I don't I don't recall his uh, his first name it was his directorial debut was his first movie and it was impressive oh, really? after that he made movies like I am legend so he's uh it's definitely someone I would uh I'd say yeah did a good job there yeah absolutely I mean for exactly. for, for first movie is so also very gorgeously shot yeah, I was going to say that it's uh, very well shot, this movie, and very beautiful, actually, mm-hmm. in the shots it has. So for the first movie, yeah, that's that's truly a great accomplishment. And I never even, uh, it never occurred to me, because I was, maybe I was watching this movie like four times, four or five times in my whole life. And like last week, when we originally planned the stream, a few days ago, I was re-watching the movie. And because I couldn't find any like behind-the-scenes stuff, and because it's Warner Brothers, I was like, okay, I'm gonna like do yeah. some, I'm gonna do like some screenshots from the movie which look uh, pretty. I'm gonna put them up on the stream. I was like, that's that's a beautiful movie. It's like a well shot movie. And the only thing I could always remember was this, uh, like this depiction of hell, a lot of CGI. Yeah. But it's actually even good CGI for like 2005. <laughs> pretty good effects there, I gotta say. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember this one scene when he talks about his death. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is so such a great scene, actually. You need to look it up, guys. Um, on YouTube, I guess it's on there. Just very well made when he's in that ambulance. And mm-hmm. the camera zooms out of the car and the whole situation or the whole scene merges into hell and how it looks like. This is so yeah. well shot. Wow. I really like that scene a lot. And this, this really stuck in my, my head, really, this scene. You are right. The CGI is, is actually very great. Yeah, for that aged time. good. Aged good. Yes. Yeah. And hell is quite, quite interestingly uh, displayed. I think. Hey, what's yeah. your what's your what's your take on that? Because it looks like a nuclear, uh, like a nuclear desert. You know. Yes, pretty much. It's like, pretty nice choice. Yeah, I think it looks like, especially with the wind constantly blowing there and blowing mm-hmm. these, these things apart, it looks like there's this nuclear blast happening constantly. <laughs> yeah. It looks really cool. I like the I like the take on that on hell. Mm, very it's stylish really, as well. Yeah, very stylish. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's Germany's smoothest voice and the monarch architect Mr. Self conquering clap for the Wolfpack kids. It's a great morning from Germany. It's like four four forty three AM. Have a sensational night in America, wherever you are. Welcome to Red Smoke, Berlin City Soul Paradise. Yeah. I really like the the, the atom bomb uh analogy with the hell uh i got i got a kind of a stupid question now for you what's your take on smoking i mean we we gotta we gotta talk about this since uh constantine is like a chain smoker it's such a it's such a stupid question it's like uh, what's your take on rain and snow 
well well it rains you know <laughs> but but i never had a chance to ask you though even though we we know each other for we've known each other for so long it's not particularly the thing you ask someone directly i mean you can ask do you smoke and it's like yeah or no but i think it's appropriate i mean our show is called red smoke so uh, yeah yeah that makes sense. <laughs> well i smoke cigars so mm-hmm. i mean it's not the same as cigarettes apparently mm-hmm. but i think it's yeah pretty similar yeah um well for me it's cigarettes i don't i just don't like them uh, i don't like the taste at all mm-hmm. but personally personally when it comes to smoking um yeah well i think it's to each their own and i think i know that if you like chain smoke a lot that you increase the chances of cancer and mm-hmm. i get it but i think you know there are in my opinion much worse things you can do to your body which people do literally every day mm-hmm. like especially when it comes to food and not moving at all not seeing the sun i think this is actually worse than having like a few c- cigarettes um a day mm-hmm. i mean if you go crazy and smoke a whole pack a day that's something else but um yeah for example i don't smoke cigars that much it's usually like one or two a week maybe mm-hmm. um, i think that's totally fine but in the end it's up to you but it still has this sort of yeah it, it has an image to it and yeah someone who smokes is just cool for some reason we just yeah put this on someone yeah, i need to talk about madman or something like that yes Mad or, Man or those or those uh, 40s noir movies and i think they wouldn't be they wouldn't be the same without cigarettes i don't know why it's, it's just yeah it's such a it's such a stylistic thing as well it's also a little bit like i don't know we could talk for ages about what a cigarette actually means in media or in in storytelling like when a person uh, smokes a cigarette there's so many ways you could interpret in in that simple you know act more or less like yes. like like we 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 already briefly touched upon the fact that john constantine is kind of like a douchebag like like i don't give a fuck person and smoking uh kind of gives you the image of that you know like like uh, like you know everybody says smoking is bad and you shouldn't smoke uh, because obviously it is unhealthy but you kind of don't give a fuck and that's exactly what john constantine does so it's kind of like mirroring his character yes absolutely i think it's actually an important part to his character even in the movie mm. that he does smoke because it gives this vibe of he just doesn't care about all these things. yeah which is as you said correctly there a big part of his character mm-hmm. he just doesn't care about what other people think and i think this is also an important trait to have as a man yes um, people look at me weird sometimes but uh, when i say that i really don't care what anyone thinks about me including my own family uh, this sound, might sound weird to some people but it's not that i don't care what they do or want me to do or etc mm-hmm. it's just that if they have an opinion of me it like doesn't influence my emotions very much mm-hmm. and this is what i think is important for many men or should be because it helps you to keep on your mission or to be on your mission on your yeah. purpose and 
Yeah, this is also true for John Constantine, in my opinion, because um, when the doctor tells him he has cancer and it doesn't bother him. He says, mm -hmm. well, maybe I die today or tomorrow. It doesn't really matter. He's just going to do what he's always been doing and what his purpose is and his mission. And this, I think, is an important mindset, but it makes him look like, yeah, like an asshole because I think this is another thing. Um, humans work in patterns, right? Yes. This is really hard. And our brain is a very great pattern recognizer. And this is also why psychopathy works so well, because it just means that you don't work in patterns and people cannot anticipate what you do or are going to do. Mm. And if you just don't adhere to these social stigmas or people telling you it's unhealthy, just do what you want anyway, then people either... Or both things. People are confused by it and maybe don't like it, but they are also very intrigued what kind of a person you are. They never know exactly what you do yes. or want to do. And I think this is also true for Constantine there. Because nobody really understands what he what he really wants, what he's doing. They just see him as that guy who's fighting demons and smoking cigarettes all the time. And but what he's really up to, what he's what he's doing, what he wants, nobody really knows. And this is some sort of mystery that's always very interesting, especially for women, but also for other people. Yeah, kind of like say he's so much focused on his purpose, or in his case, his motivation to like avoid hell, like trying to yeah. buy his way into heaven. And it reminds me so much of, ironically, uh, a religious person, or I would especially call him an anti-religious person, to be honest, uh, uh, the Martin Luther when when he said uh, when he was asked what would you do if the world ends tomorrow and he said well i would plant an apple tree <laughs> yeah hey like like i don't give a fuck i'll like, continue the way i <laughs> originally intended so uh yeah yes but i think this is very important and actually a very yeah healthy way for men especially to mm -hmm. i have noticed and i've said many times that i think I truly think that that the purpose, yeah, like your purpose, your passion, what you are, the legacy you're trying to build right. needs to be the number one thing in your life. Mm. Everything else comes second. And I stand by this. Um, people don't like this, obviously, because they think that it means that you just um, ignore your family or ignore people in general. But that's, I don't think that's the case. It just means that when you have to make a decision, which very rarely truly comes, then you choose for your purpose. Mm -hmm. and there are different types of people. Obviously, John Constantine, he just goes with his purpose no matter what. He just doesn't care. Yeah. This is his own thing. And I mean, it would make sense uh, trying to buy your way out of hell into heaven. And obviously, you spend every waking minute to get there, right? Because you don't want to live in hell obviously mm. so it makes sense and however for most people because they think if they only follow their purpose and for example skip a day with their family and work on their purpose instead this makes them bad men and i disagree greatly with that i actually think i think St stefan arnio said this in his book um hard times create strong men mm. he said there's a difference between being good at being a man and being a good man uh -huh, and uh -huh. the difference for example is 
being good at being a man might just mean you do whatever you need to do and you don't care about anyone else. You just don't care. And this is some, also some sort of psychopathy because manly traits itself aren't just that you focus on these things no matter what and you just don't care, right? Mm -hmm. But a good man can also be a man who follows his purpose or his passion all the time, but he also has time for other things. And I think the good man term is very stigmatized in our society and it's tough for many to reconcile for themselves what they deem a good man because I think this is up to anyone else, mm -hmm. everyone else, what they think about it is really you have to choose for yourself what you think makes a good man. And being good at being a man might just be like the tribal leader who goes out to fight and doesn't care about anyone, like mm -hmm. women, children, etc. He just does his thing. Then you are good at being a man because this is what you do as a masculine or a male, rather, of the human species. Right. But if you want to be a good man, then this is up to you what you do, if you like. Very interesting take. Also, what I just realized is, because you said that Constantine as a as a male role model, it's just like on his purpose, you know? Like if if, yeah. uh, if uh, we would find out that there are aliens on Mars, I don't, I don't think he would give a damn. Or like uh, yeah. put on a cigarette and yeah. Also, also the thing is, no one actually can understand him, because yes. he's like he's like the only one who has seen what he has seen. It's like as if I would tell you, uh, yeah, I have seen God's face, or I have seen hell. Actually, like that's not something anybody on on Earth could understand. Do you think that is something that makes the character even more sympathetic? Because do you personally or do you think many men nowadays are feeling like alone or not being understood like feeling like they they have seen something no one else sees i think there are two things to this question to this question mm -hmm. okay the first okay. is um once you are on your purpose like truly you actually found it and i have noticed this myself once i truly dove into it mm -hmm. i spend every every free minute i have even if it's just 10 minutes between like dinner and going out again mm -hmm. these 10 minutes i am on my laptop doing something for my purpose mm -hmm. and it's like it is like breath to me if i cannot work on it every single day of my life i'm not feeling like full you know yeah. and this is something Nobody but me can understand for what I do. Nobody understands. I mean, some men might relate to me, but they don't. Right. They can never understand the way I do it with my brand, for example, or whatever my purpose is. Mm -hmm. And this is something, once you find your purpose, you will notice pretty quickly that you are alone in there. Mm -hmm. And even though you might have people that join you or help you, other men, or even a woman helping you, like your wife, etc., um, nobody really ever will understand how it is for you to be on that mission. It's just a fact. Nobody can ever mm -hmm. understand how that feels for what you do. They might have an idea because they might be on the same path or similar path, but it's never exactly the same. So you will definitely learn to be alone in that case. As it is said, uh, the path of the warrior is a lonely one, right? Yes. And 
I think this is important to understand. And many men are afraid of this. And I think they're also, this is also why they are afraid to follow their purpose like fully mm-hmm. and completely. <clears throat> because they are afraid of this loneliness that nobody can truly understand them. And with Constantine, for example, it is actually literally the case that mm-hmm. nobody can understand him, as you said, uh, because nobody has seen hell and they don't even believe in it. And even though that he actually shows the girl and he, she gets to see how this whole thing happens, mm-hmm. still she would never completely understand what he feels or how he feels about it because she hasn't seen hell. And this is also something that makes you, which is the second part, makes you a bit of that kind of douchebag because you just don't care about anyone else because you know you have your own purpose, your goal, your mission. So whatever anyone thinks about that doesn't really matter because you know exactly that nobody can understand it anyway. This is also the case for me. Nobody, as I said, understands exactly what I do or how I do it and why I do it. So I don't care what they think of it, which is very liberating, but also makes you lonely to some degree. Because, you know, what someone tells you about it doesn't really bother you. So nobody is really on your side the same you, or the same way you are. They might help you, of course, but it's not like they truly understand what you do. And I think, I actually think this is why I wanted to talk about Constantine on the Red Smoke podcast, because I think this movie has many parallels to a man's life, especially when it comes to his purpose and what he should be doing. It's just with this metaphor of um, trying to escape Calder. I think we are all, in some ways, uh, dealing with, with demons in oh. our life. Like, poetically speaking, okay, I'm, I'm becoming really... Uh, off here but yeah absolutely also what i realized just uh, because i'm having this screenshots on the screen from the movie constantine i like so many shots of him smoking and uh <laughs> have you realized that smoking in media just to get uh back to the topic one last time smoking in media is there are not many people, not many men or women, uh, smoking anymore, like in movies or series. Uh, like for cool. some kind of analogy there, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Like we, like we talked about what what a cigarette means, and it's so interesting just that the that the use of the cigarette has decreased as well. Uh, I'm thinking about the series uh, from David Fincher. I don't know if you know it. It's Mind Hunter. It's on uh, Netflix, I believe. I don't actually. You sh- I-, I don't know if I should say you should check it out because I stopped watching it. But uh, <laughs> anyways, you should, maybe you should check it out. And in the, in this scene, the, the scene I think uh, plays in the '60s or '70s. Of course, uh, you know, madman. So people were chain smoking back in the days. Yeah. So to be historically accurate, the, the people in Mindhunter all smoke, uh, like chain smoking as well. And people were like, no, oh, no, that's not good. So in season two, suddenly everyone stopped smoking. I'm like, <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> suddenly oh, they decided collectively that it's bad. Very, very strange. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, you see, but yeah, no, that's a great thing you mentioned it because it tells you how much 
ideologies or let's call it like social pressure influences art to some degree mm-hmm. which is what happened there because um yeah smoking was banned pretty much all around the world in like restaurants etc yeah or at least it was it was tried to re- uh, to be reduced or still is mm-hmm. and this also me- meant in the same sense that movies will have it less or need to have it less because this would influence people i've noticed okay. this when i tried to run facebook ads for my brand and there was a guy with a cigar and facebook actually said they don't allow ads with someone smoking on it because it might influence people <laughs> and i was like really mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean I really think because someone sees an image of a guy smoking a cigar online on facebook that he will immediately run to the next cigar shop and buy a cigar yeah. i don't think that's how it works um I mean, obviously, we are influenced by commercials to some degree, but I don't think it's that big of a deal with smoking. And yes, we said before, it still makes, it still has this image to it that it's just a cool thing and it mm-hmm. makes people look cool. Independent, I would say. Or independent is a good yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. And also, um, yeah, they just don't care much about all these social stigmas, which is even more true these days. I think mm. if you have someone smoking these days, like in movies, it's even a stronger display because everyone, yeah, doesn't like it or it's like stigmatized and mm. he still does it, for example. That would make it even stronger. And then watching Constantine these days is probably makes it even a, a stronger display of his I don't give a fuck kind Absolutely. of mentality. Yeah, I don't know about the guidelines in Hollywood, and uh, to be honest, I don't really want to know. But yeah. I believe putting a character on screen smoking has become a very diff- difficult task nowadays. I'm not. I'm not sure about that. I'm not. Uh, I don't know anything about the guidelines, but I have the feeling that this has become a very difficult task. Also, something that is a little bit pathetic is. That did you know that Constantine has an R rating? <laughs> or or in Germany, uh, in Germany, uh, I think it's uh, FSK twelve, but it's uh, it actually has an R rating. I don't think that's justified at all because I actually paid attention. There was just one F bomb. You know the rule in in the US, you can have like one F bomb, and it's still PG thirteen. There's like uh, no nudity no violence in there i mean yeah well there is but uh, you can you can have like a different kind of violence uh, what's like to take on a whole rating system there hmm I, I you see i obviously understand having kids myself that you don't want to ex- expose them to like this crazy stuff too soon mm-hmm. however if you think about it this is also another another great um thought I recently had when does a boy really become a man mm-hmm. and I might strive off of it a little bit I will get back don't worry mm-hmm. um, and because if you think about ages especially in the US for example you're allowed to drive a car no matter how much how many horsepower it has at the age of 16 but you're not allowed to drink a beer until you're 21 right you're not fully legal I think to um, yet to do a lot of stuff until you're 18 something like that and there's another uh, big step at i think 14 or 15. i don't quite remember what it was 
but the age is all over the place with these things and it's also not true in the whole west for example in germany you're allowed to drink beer at 16 but you're not allowed to drive a car until you're 18. <laughs> so these whole things are completely weird and completely like all over the place yeah. and it's i think it's the same with these rating systems and they people just don't know how to put this in in like numbers for example age numbers um to make it suitable for the audience because i think the age is really just a number and your mental age is not dependent on that it's really what you how you were raised and what you experienced that makes you for example uh. age to some degree and especially when it comes to men i think to finish my sentence there, I think a boy becomes a man the second he takes responsibility for the issues in his life. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. What, whatever those might be, and it doesn't even matter if they are inflicted by you yourself or other people, mm. they are your problems. And as soon as you take responsibility for them and try to fix them, that is when you become a man. Before that, you are a boy. Mm. And that means that there are 60-year-old boys out there. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And this is also why I think these sort of ratings for movies are kind of weird, to be honest. I mean, there are obvious things like the like R rating with nudity or almost having porn in there or like yeah. gore and stuff. Obviously, this is not for children. But like with the, for example, in Germany, the 12 and 16 and 18, yes. um, the discerning there is kind of weird to me because, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what, what exact guidelines they uh, use there mm. to choose that but especially Constantine being R-rated is very weird I was, I was surprised yeah yeah it's not really that like tough of a movie I don't I mm. would say that mm. also I would argue that you can have like a mature R-rated movie and an immature R-rated movie you know oh, same yeah. goes same goes for PG movies I mean uh I mean, for example, like Lord of the Rings is PG thirteen, but it's a very mature movie. And uh, yeah. for example, like Deadpool is R rated, yes. but it's a like complete crap. It's it's a very immature movie. I think more kids have seen it seen it than adults. Even though I'm not yeah, sure, I'm, I'm not sure about that actually. But uh, yeah, yeah, it might be. That's not really saying much. Yeah, uh, I think so, like, these ratings are really mostly about what you see there like mm, visual mm. and not really what the movie is about in itself which right. especially these days when there are very deep movies or like even emotionally or mentally taxing movies which exist obviously then there should be a different rating but i don't want to uh, want to give them ideas that they put even more guidelines or restrictions on the rating movies yeah, it's already crazy yeah movies should now only be like non-offensive spectacle with uh, no death of intelligent writing because like clearly kids can't handle anything more than that it's like really yeah. simple like that like that's the good boy and that's the bad boy right yeah uh, yeah Pretty pathetic <laughs> actually yeah, absolutely yeah all right uh alex shoot me a favorite scene from the movie or do you do you have a favorite scene from Ooh, constantine favorite scene well, uh, like, what's what's I, the first thing that comes to your mind when you think like Constantine? Is there a specific image? Oh yes, absolutely. It's the ending 
with the mm, devil himself. Mm, yeah, save for me, <laughs> man. <laughs> Yeah. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to make it like natural so that we talk about uh, Peter Stormare <laughs> as, as Lucifer, but yeah, <laughs> there, we, there we have it, man. <laughs> yes. No, this, this was... You see, I think I mentioned it last time, I'm not quite sure. Yes, you did, yeah. Yes, I, I always like... Um, I'm intrigued by how the devil is displayed in any sort of movie. Mm-hmm. What they came up with in their mind, how they picture the devil himself, like the, the bad... The baddest of the angels and what he what he does mm-hmm. or how he looks like pretty much yeah. and the display in constantine was very refreshing to see in my opinion because he is he's kind of crazy <laughs> and i like that because usually if you see the devil he's just that controlled evil yeah yeah guy if you want to call it that mm-hmm. but in constantine i think he truly enjoys his role as being the devil at least it looks like it and he just, especially the way he moves there, walking towards Constantine was quite funny to me. Yeah. And because he's walking on Earth, and that's that's kind of funny to him as well. Mm-hmm. And this is just so a great, fresh take on the devil himself. And I truly like that. Yeah, so I would also say maybe he's probably my favorite part of the movie, uh, played by uh, fantastic Peter Stormare. I oh, mean, yes. I mean, you can you can play Satan, or you can actually be him. I, yes. I mean, holy crackers, man, that guy embodies him. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> I mean, by, by the way, uh, y- you have seen the John Wick movies, right? Yes. And so that's so funny because in the second movie, I was so happy when I was in the cinema. And it was at the beginning of the second movie where Peter Stomare, again, was playing some, some Russian drug lord. I don't oh, know. Yes. And I don't know. And I was like, yeah, Lucifer and, and John are, uh, <laughs> you know. Oh, he's called John as well there. Yeah. I figured it out. Man, why is it, why is it called always John? John Constantine, John Wick. What's going on with that? Coincidence. <laughs> yeah, knows, I knows, yeah. But yeah, I didn't actually... Um, I didn't recognize him at first in John Wick 2, that it is. It has him, a bunch of beard. Every, everybody yeah, has, has beard. a beard going on there, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, he's such, such a great actor, and especially the, his... Uh, Lucifer displaying Constantine was fantastically mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. That was really great. And I actually liked the last scene as well. Um, how it is set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Con- John Constantine actually gets what he wants. Oh, sorry, spoiler again. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And how, the, how Lucifer reacts to it is so funny to me. Um, yeah, because he's so surprised. Uh, that it actually worked mm-hmm. because he sacrificed himself, like John Constantine sacrificed himself to save that girl. And he didn't catch it at first, Lucifer, what he's about to do. And then when he and John is relieved from his burden of hell, this the phase on Lucifer was quite yeah, funny yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. I really like that. I'm seeing like a, I'm seeing like an actual angel. That has been around for a thousand years and is the first time surprised in his yes. whole long I, I'm seeing it in his face. It's perfectly displayed. I swear to God. Was, they, people don't act like that anymore. By the way, where is this guy? Where is this Peter Stomar? Is he like on vacation or something? I don't know. Like, can I come back? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he was in John Wick too, you know? It was very it was recent. Like, just, just like five minutes, you know? It's like really. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a nice surprise. Came back there. 
Yeah, but um, definitely, I, I truly, it's funny to me because people have asked me a lot about um, if I'm faithful or if I'm religious. Right. And I've said it before that I don't actually, actually believe in a deity, but I think that religion is actually very important these days, even though I have a completely different take on what religion is as well, but that's maybe for another time. Mm. But I just truly enjoy these biblical movies because I was raised Catholic, mm. like strictly Catholic, actually. And then I, much to the hate of my mother, especially, mm. uh, I then decided to not be yeah, faced by this anymore. Yeah. And but I still, because I know this whole space, let's say it, about Christianity. And so I like these movies because I just really like how the directors use the art to display how they see it themselves, especially, especially again with like the hell, how it's displayed, how Lucifer is displayed. Mm. And what's quite funny to me is that very rarely they actually uh, are brave enough to show God or the image of God. Yeah. You see this very rarely. It's not, not happening very often. And I think, which is funny to me, every time there actually was a god displayed, I think it was a black guy. Yeah, I'm thinking Morgan Freeman from Bruce Morgan Almighty. Freeman. Yes, and it's... in Lucifer, the TV show, I don't know if you have watched it. Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah, it's also a, a black guy as well. Well, end. that would probably mean that he's black. Yeah, I guess so. All right. No, I'm not trying to be a racist or anything because I don't care. But it's just I would love because... him to be uh, to have Morgan Freeman's voice at least because it's yeah. so calm, you know. I actually truly enjoyed Morgan Freeman being God in uh, Bruce Almighty. That was that was a great. That was really like yeah, yeah. yeah, that was funny. But uh, I think to be honest, here yeah, I think it's just another uh, way of Hollywood being afraid of making it a white guy because that would be. I mean, the media would be crazy, going crazy about that. <laughs> Literally, Rest God to... being a white guy. Oh yeah. my God, this is, this is like not going to happen in the next 50 years. Absolutely it's not. Like a, uh... I mean, I don't care, to be honest. It's yeah. just that just crossed my mind when I saw that. And it was like, oh yeah, that's probably because the media would go crazy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I said it last time and I probably said it in any other stream whenever we like uh, talked about like any movie but i believe even though it's been like 16 years since this movie came out i believe this movie wouldn't have been produced the way it is nowadays oh yeah like like the way keanu reeves character is portrayed uh, i wouldn't say it's keanu reeves best role he's ever played but but actually i can't think of anything better he's he's suited perfectly in the character which is which is so funny because I have read so many like bad reviews on this on on this movie and I was so surprised because I was doing a little bit of research and especially when it comes to Keanu Reeves uh people actually mock his performance in this movie like uh and and that's so ironic uh some 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 person said that that's the kind of movie they make you watch at hell. Which okay, I get. It's it's funny, you know, because yeah, it's yeah, like it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the funny thing is, people mock his performance in this movie, and they say it's too stoic, too blank, it's too wooden. I'm like, yeah, that's his character, you know. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the point. What the hell? 
I mean, of course, because he he's been to hell. He this is what I said before, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that he has been through some shit, and now he's not faced by all these worldly right. mortal things because he has seen it. That is exactly his character. Obviously, yeah. he has to be stoic. That's what makes him this character. Yeah. So, people are weird. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, Keanu Reeves does the best with uh, what he has to offer, and yeah, I don't know. I would kind of say. Uh, Rachel Weisz is stealing the show. I mean, she she she, she plays a wonderful, the, the the sensitive policewoman, and I think she works very well with Keanu. I don't know if yeah. we have like uh, the time to you know on the on the one hand we have the sarcastic black humor to, uh, supernatural noir detective that fights against demons, and then you have this sensitive policewoman. It works very well. They have a very very nice. Uh, chemistry because uh, Rachel Weisz character very pure hearted you know loving sister who is seeking the truth to a twin sister and what happened yeah ve very very good chemistry there oh yeah I actually like this very much that she is pretty much the counterpart to him mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. in everything and um, <laughs> it's also quite funny displayed um, many times and I remember this elevator scene when he is in the elevator and she's running towards it, asking him to... Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know exactly what she says. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you can recall it. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly, but pretty much she's asking him to uh, to hold the elevator, hold the door, pretty much. Uh -huh. But he says no thanks or something like that and just yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> drives on without her. And this is, again, the attractive douchebag, right? And just the, the, <laughs> the counterpart to her. But it was a very funny scene, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they they they, they complement each other so well, yeah. and uh, the same way we don't get a male protagonist like that, we don't get like a, a female co-protagonist like that as well. I gotta say because it, it was very. I mean, uh, Rachel Wise, of course, it's uh, as from personally eye candy. I gotta say, yeah, but um, it's also very. It's it's a really huge counterpart to what many women are portrayed nowadays in movies. And we did a whole oh, yeah. stream on that on that thing. And yeah, very feminine, very pure-hearted, sensitive, uh, very nice attributes. I say that you don't see very often anymore in modern media. It is the funny thing, especially because she is actually a cop, right? So... Yes. Yes. Immediately, what comes to mind to Hollywood producers these days, if they have a female cop, is that she needs to be tough and like almost stoic as a woman and like a lot of masculine traits. Yes. And in, Const in, in Constantine, yes, she is a cop and does her job very well, but she's very feminine in doing that. Mm -hmm. And this is really a great thing you, you mentioned here because you see this very rarely these days. I agree with that. And this is especially so refreshing because she is this like complete counterpart to him, mm -hmm. to John Constantine. Yeah. And this works so well because she is very deeply feminine. And I think this is another great display of the polarity of the genders as it should be, you know? Yeah. And a very strong, powerful, and almost too stoic, almost, I say almost too stoic, John Constantine, and a very mm -hmm. sensitive, feminine, and yeah, as you say, pure hearted. Um, woman as his counterpart so this is very 
I enjoyed this as well. It's been being, I mean, they're not really a couple there, but uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, they have so much chemistry, and I'm I'm so uh, grateful that they didn't put in like a romance in there yes. because I, I believe that it wouldn't fit with the narrative. Like yeah, having like having like having uh, Constantine in the end like propose or some bullshit. It, it, it wouldn't fit his character. It has a yeah. very good ending, I think. Yeah, I think so as well. When I think she walks away from him, isn't it? Yes, yes, that's I, the ending. Yeah, I think this way. But there's definitely no no romance in there, and I like that because, as you said, it wouldn't fit at all, mm -hmm. especially to mm -hmm. him, to his character because he just doesn't care about these things. He has other things to take care of. Yeah, and. It's funny though because we anticipate this uh, or expect it rather these days in Hollywood movies that when there is a male and female like character, main character, mm -hmm. then eventually they usually end up together. Yeah. In, yeah. in most cases, I would say in movies these days, this is the case. So, and I think this is sometimes so brutally forced that it's just weird to watch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was so glad they didn't do it with Constantine. I was afraid, actually, the first time I watched it, mm. that this might be happening in the end. And so I was very glad they didn't, because that would have ruined it to some degree. Yeah, I agree with that. Would you say that? Because, like I said, I have like a few little notes here to, sure. to, get, some, to get some stuff. And I wrote down that Constantine lacks humor. But I think that's the very thing that makes him so like funny. That, that that's what gives him humor. This, uh, you know, he's he's like, do you know what I mean? Yes, it's I know like what a, you mean. Yeah, it's and yeah. I have actually experienced this in real life with a bunch of men. Mm -hmm. I know, and it's funny. Sometimes you sit across them, talk to them, and they tell you a story, which is funny, but they don't like have any mimic to fit it like mm -hmm, nothing mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. nothing in their face moving and or in them rather and this in itself is just funny to some degree yeah you yeah. listen to the story they are telling and they are not moved by it at all and this uh, i think is a form of yeah i don't know humor that is very rare and i i don't know if there is a name for it maybe but john constantine definitely is that kind of guy Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, if he were to tell any story or talk about anything, which is funny, he wouldn't lose like a smile, yeah. and <laughs> that would be funny in of itself. I think. So yeah, while he's lacking humor in itself, like he's not telling jokes or making fun or anything, uh, sometimes he has, I think, some funny scenes. I can't recall one now, but I, I remember there was a bunch of funny scenes. For example, the one in the elevator. Yeah, yeah, it, it works. It's pretty mature humor yes it's not like it's not like your mama jokes you know it's like yeah. it's, uh, it's very natural i'd say also yeah, I mean, so, imagine, yeah yeah imagine him being like a giggly bitch that just wouldn't fit mm -mm, right he would absolutely. Make jokes and then laugh, laugh about them himself that just doesn't fit his character at all he's that stoic guy so even though some things he does are funny he doesn't laugh about it and yeah that just fits it yeah, I think we have the giggly side character. By the way, Shia LaBeouf is in this movie, man. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, I, I was watching, it's like, I completely forgot about that. That was somewhere hidden in my yeah. brain. If if you yeah. would have, if you would have asked me, like, uh, 
Like, name me every Shia LaBeouf movie. I would never in my whole life said Constantine. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, like, absolutely. legitimately. It, like, this guy is in this movie. <laughs> this is also so funny because he's introduced as a sidekick in the beginning. Yeah. But then throughout the movie, yeah. he's Yeah, <laughs> yeah where, where the fuck is he gone? <laughs> It's like I mean, they completely the forgot end, about funny. him. Yeah, that's so crazy. I would say it's like a, it's like the a sidekick character a little bit. It gives a little bit of comic relief. Yeah. Also works pretty well. Yeah, it does. I mean, Shia LaBeouf has this sort of he has this character to play these roles. It fits quite well. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's there's one. There, there are not many things that bug me with this movie. I wouldn't certainly give it a. 7 out of 10, like uh, it has a score on IMDb, pretty much a 8.5 or a 9 in my case. Uh, There are a few things, you could say this is is a good thing or this is a bad thing. Uh, Let's quickly touch upon the topic of uh, ambiguity, you know, because, because the thing is the movie doesn't answer a lot of questions. You know, like, yeah. uh, what are the what are, what exactly are the rules in that universe? What exactly uh, can Constantine do? You know, like, uh, this is not really explained. It's very vague. Yes. What's your what's like your your take on that? Do you like ambiguity or do you like to have everything explained? No, I actually like ambiguity, mm-hmm. and because. It, it makes you think at least a little bit, or at least it leaves open some ideas or questions. Mm-hmm. But still, throughout watching the movie, especially when that guy was introduced, who is uh, supposedly neutral, I forgot his name. Uh, oh, yeah. To the good, to the good or bad side, uh, in this sort of bar where all the angels are. Oh, you mean Papa, Papa Midnight? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, great name. Absolutely, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, this guy, yes. Uh, and it was I was just confused by watching this, and he said he's neutral, and he has this sort of mm-hmm. neutral bar where both can be, but nobody actually is allowed to do something, but they still do something then, and it was kind of now what's the rule actually here now? Yeah, yeah. What's really happening now? And <laughs> this was a bit weird, but um, yeah, I guess it's it's little details like that, and especially because you mentioned how what powers actually does Constantine have? Mm-hmm. And throughout the movie, it's really only ever like exorcism, right? The only like, yes, yes. power he truly has, other than like knowing what you can use to kill demons, for example, these silver bullets and all of that. And yeah. actually see them. Oh yeah, and see yeah. them, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the gift. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, but really... yeah, sometimes the rules are very very weird in the movie. Yeah, yeah that's the thing because. Uh, for me to get really invested in the movie, uh, something has to be, of course, at stake. And yeah. the thing is, I don't. I'm not really sure what the rules are. Which I, I'm gonna say it again. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, because we get this very vague stuff, like uh, like Papa Midnight speaking to to Constantine says. Like, you know, there has to be a balance. And I'm like, okay, what kind of balance? And then I'm like, uh, you know, I'm making stuff up for myself. Yeah. So, so so I would say to a degree, yes, I am a fan of ambiguity, but uh, the movie has to answer at least a few things. Like, like uh, give me some rules to, to work with. That's, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, because... I think it's also the mm -hmm. the case with the Devil's Son, right? Yes, yes. Later, later, pretty much the climax of the movie, mm -hmm. and this is introduced like he needs some sort of um, person so he can get into this world. Yeah. Then he is in um, what's her name again? Uh, yeah, Rachel Weisz's character. Yes, she... exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he cannot get out because of. Constantine and he's just doing an exorcism and I was just confused about this whole thing what's exactly the rule what does he yeah, really have yeah. to do have to do and how and why can he not go out there mm -hmm. and especially throughout the movie it's introduced that or John Constantine says it all the time that demons cannot come into this dimension like physically yes. but then they do it all the time you know and so what's really the rule now <laughs> so yeah I was a bit confused there as well I guess it's also part of the idea behind it that they are breaking the rules and so on, something is boiling underneath, mm -hmm. like huh, literally boiling. <laughs> but then this this question is never answered actually, why um, the demons are trying to get in, into this dimension, mm -hmm. and what's really happening. In the end, it's just done, and you don't actually learn what this was all about. So it was weird a little bit sometimes. I agree. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So I'd also say, uh, from my point of view, to a degree, yes, I like ambiguity, but there's a certain movie that comes to my mind, uh, which is a pretty good example to explain what I mean. I don't know if you have seen Blade Runner. Yes, the the the, the, the original one, yeah. and uh, by God, it's one of the most gorgeous movies I've ever seen. I love the cinematography; every fucking shot you could just like print on a yeah. uh, on a wall, but. Uh, even though that's look, maybe maybe it's like the Godfather. I, I said it in uh, I said it last time, two weeks ago in the last stream, that I didn't like quite get the Godfather. I was watching it like at sixteen or something, and I was like, yeah. okay, what's this movie all about? And I was like, Blade Runner. I gotta say, even though many people say it's like a masterpiece, I'm like, uh, I can't really put my finger on this movie. I don't know why. It's a really I vague. Sorry for interrupting. No, 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 no. Go yes. ahead. I agree. It's it's a great movie. Somehow in my mind, when I watch it, I really enjoy it. But I can't really tell you why. Yeah. Or what makes it this great of a movie? So it's it's weird. Yeah. It's a movie that is a little bit too vague. It doesn't give an answer. Yeah. yeah it's it's it's. Uh, I don't like movies like that. It's like too artsy. Too. Uh, that's that's. Yeah. And that's what I mean with the uh, by ambiguity. Yeah. Yes, if you don't know exactly what's happening, mm -hmm. where it's going, and yeah, it's too much focus on the, the art, and then it's it's weird sometimes, especially too much focus on like mm -hmm. where we have this uh, a lot these days. Obviously, like the whole movie is some CGI fest of great effects, but uh, oh, yeah. what's what the movie? What's the movie really about? Then, I mean, Star Wars comes to mind, right? Sure, sure. Was it the nine, eight? I think the eighth one. Um, well, I, I, this was the last Star Wars movie I actually watched. Mm -hmm. Eight, yeah, it was eight. Was it? What's the name? Yeah, it's the Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, sure. the Last Jedi. And this was cool effects and all of that. But throughout the whole movie, I was watching. I was thinking, what is this really all about? Mm -hmm. What's the story here? Like the plot. What's really the point they're trying to get across with this whole movie? 
And to this day, I still couldn't figure out what they're really trying to say there. And this is something I didn't like there as well. I mean, because the, yeah. the first movies definitely had something they wanted to tell with each movie, some mm -hmm. story. Even if it just might mean a correct character development to set this whole thing up. But there was some, some story behind that. And with this, the age of Star Wars, I was a bit confused. Uh, I would say we... We're gonna do a stream separately. Uh, you know, we, oh, yeah. we you know we were talking previously about maybe doing a stream on on Star Wars. I believe that movie deserves its own stream yeah. because it's such an yeah. app domination. I uh, yeah. just like uh, just <laughs> don't want to exaggerate, but there's like this this one scene in the end where uh, the Asian chick says to Finn, uh, "It's not about uh, <laughs> fighting what we hate, but it's about saving what we love." Yeah. It, like 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 three seconds after after she says that like the whole resistance blows up in the background it's like so, it's like so stupid i'm like okay those are like quotes that would probably work on twitter and get you a few, a few uh retweets but that's it you know it doesn't it's really, it's funny it doesn't really make I sense think, yes i think this was a very ironic um quote considering star wars and what it became uh, yeah, very meta. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very meta. This quote. This is what what struck me very weird when I heard it first. It was like, "Are you talking about the movie itself, or what's this all about?" Yeah. <laughs> oh man, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I gotta say, I still, uh, I still have like a, a huge interest in the in the person John Constantine, and th that's the thing about this ambiguity aspect of the movie i would really like to explore this world a little bit more yes like uh yeah, yeah like this whole uh, i don't want to say universe i don't want to sound like a nerd or something like that but uh, i'm like okay movie give me a little bit more even though that i believe it's a good sign when a movie uh leaves you wanting more yeah absolutely mm -hmm. Yeah, it means they have created an interesting universe there, mm -hmm. or at least to some degree. And I would definitely enjoy more movies set up in the Constantine universe. Mm -hmm. If it only means I see the great Lucifer once more. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to see the J.J. Abrams uh, Lucifer. Oh, it's yeah. going to be a good one. <laughs> it's also funny. Um, I mean, I'm going to be off topic again, but sure. the show Lucifer, Netflix show. Mm. It's actually not bad. And I was surprised by this. And it's because the, the premise is that the devil is on a vacation in LA mm. um, because he's pissed off ruling the hell and he's just <laughs> chill now. And yeah, it, it sounds stupid, but it's actually well made. And it's, in my opinion, also quite traditionally a traditional display of masculinity in lucifer himself because he said you know he has he's always wearing suits he's very well dressed all the time very well spoken he has a lot of money and a lot of women so he's this traditional guy but still very likable so i know it's off topic sorry for that but still um, great show no not at all uh, i'm actually surprised because you said it's uh it's an netflix series right Yes. So I would well, be, yeah, it, I would it be started with Amazon, I think. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, Amazon. I would be I would be surprised, regardless of being Amazon or Netflix, that there is a man being displayed the way we would prefer him to be. You know. 
Yes, I think the only way this works is because he is the devil, and so they can just say, yeah, well, oh, he's the know. bad guy, so obviously he does these things. The bad, the bad, the bad white guy, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe we are just the only ones who like uh, sympathizing with him. I don't know, maybe something's weird with us. I don't know. Might be. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, uh, a few minutes earlier you said that you're not exactly religious. And yes. I I believe we, we touched upon this last time on take one of this episode, uh, which, uh, by the way, this, the stream uh, seems to work today, so everything went well. Even though awesome. I don't want to... Um, <laughs> yeah, but... So, so you said you, you, you're not a man of faith, so you don't believe like in this deity and stuff. Uh, and, you, and you said, well, regardless of that, you can still enjoy those kind of movies. Like, for example, yes. something like Constantine or let's say The Exorcist or whatever, right? Yes, or Noah, movies like that. Yes, like. yes. So uh, is it possible for you to like turn your, turn your head off for like two hours? When you when you watch the movie and you're like, okay, uh, I can believe in in the reality of the of the stream and any reality of the movie, if you will. Or is it like there's always something in your in the back of your head that says that's actually just fiction. Hmm. I, I mean, I mean, uh, I, I'm asking this because I'm giving you the view of someone who says uh, he he is a believer, you know. That doesn't automatically mean that I see brilliant Peter Stamare on screen and say, "Yeah, that's 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 Satan," you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, that doesn't mean I watch movies like that and say, "Okay, that's reality" or stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Damn. Do you watch the stream? Yeah, I, I, I'm aware of that. That's why you yeah. don't have to to answer if I'm like uh, giving you a hard right? time. We're not for easy questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. So, I don't think I completely turn off when I watch these kind of movies, mm -hmm. turn off my brain, and just like enjoy it as a piece of fiction. I don't think that happens. Mm -hmm. I still think about these things if they could be real. I do that. Yes. Mm -hmm. When I, for example, watch Constantine or something like that, and I think, could this really be the case? For example. And maybe it is, and I'm just a like, non-believer. Um, yeah, it might be. I, I, do, I am thinking about these things, and this is why probably I enjoy these movies as well, because I'm virtually looking at them and thinking if it could be the case, and if so, how would I fail in this sort of mm -hmm. world? Mm -hmm. And I, you, as I said before, I just like these kind of movies that make me think, so this is definitely something that makes me think a lot, and maybe it's just or still my, how I was raised uh, in my subconscious trying to make sense of this whole thing mm -hmm. or not. I don't know, maybe. But I definitely enjoy these movies and I am thinking about myself or religion or deities in that whole scene or in these whole movies and watching them as well. Yeah, I do that. I think analogy is a, is a nice thing because I don't know if I was uh, like asking the question probably as a probably because of my poor english but of course when i when i watch for example lord of the rings i kind of forget during those three or in that case four hours each movie uh, that i am watching a piece of fiction and and i believe that was that was kind of like the 
the question I had. Can you like can you like dive in into a story? Can you like turn off your brain for like two hours and forget that what you are seeing on screen is real? Uh, isn't isn't real. I'm sorry if yeah, isn't real. I see now what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I do this all the time. Okay. Um, with pretty much any movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, not any movie. Some movies are too stupid for me to go in there. Star Wars. Really? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah Star Wars, for example. <laughs> Especially the new Star Wars yes. movies. Actually, with the old ones, I was in that universe as well when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah. Yes. And I enjoyed this. And it's usually, I guess, mostly because you actually could relate to the characters because they were humans, unlike. Mm-hmm new ones but anyway um yes no i i uh, constantly completely dive into that because i yeah i can immerse myself quite well in the story mm-hmm. yeah that's weird. because i have the feeling that uh nowadays with you know like uh, movies become more serious uh, not like uh serious as i'm being serious but like tv serious oh, yeah. and like the uh, you know the attention span and all of that and I believe if you like just watch 20, 20 minutes of an episode and then you like click on, uh, you know, play next episode and stuff and you're just like on your phone, you don't really have the chance to, to dive in. Uh, for example, if you do it in a cinema, you don't have the chance to, you know, get distracted by anything. So I'm always like, uh, yeah, I never had the chance to actually ask you that, which is actually something very <coughs> i would say important for me or something that's uh it's interesting me a lot whether yeah, think... whether someone can you know turn off their brain i mean of course uh if i'm watching like this uh behind the scenes stuff for uh i remember when we did the lord of the rings stream and uh i, I was playing some behind the scenes scenes did i just see scenes twice and I was like, yeah, those are just costumes and CGI and stuff. But while I'm watching that movie, or for example, Constantine, again, to get back to the topic, I forget that it's a movie, you know? It's like, it's like, it's like trying to trick myself. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the same there. Um, I truly, uh, and there's one thing, one key thing, actually, because we, both of us, were raised when cinema was still a big thing yes and yeah. netflix wasn't so we are just used to like focusing one two three hours however long this movie rolls mm. just on this movie and nothing else maybe the nachos in front of you but that's about it oh yeah and when you are at home watching netflix there are all sorts of other things uh happening netflix and chill for example yes <laughs> or whatever it might be you know and so you are not really immersed into the movie as you would be in a cinema. Mm-hmm. This is why I still love going to the cinema when I uh, really want to enjoy a new movie. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a very big difference in that. And I guess we can still do it. I can do it at home when not much is happening around me. And uh, then I can still immerse myself completely into the movie. But if like the kids are jumping around or people aren't there and just the TV is running in the background, which mm-hmm. is how most people do it, then there's really obviously not the immersion not happening for the movie. And then this is also, then the movie isn't good. No matter how well it was made, 
and how much it might trigger your emotions if you don't really watch it in an immersive scenario in my opinion then you mm -hmm. don't like it as much as you could mm -hmm. would you say you're a person who gets distracted very easily or who gets put out of this like trance state very easily yes mm -hmm. i am absolutely this is one of my weaknesses i have been uh yeah fixing throughout the last 10 years pretty much mm -hmm. to keep my focus on one thing for longer and this is because this is actually a very key part to becoming yeah, successful with mm -hmm. like anything and this is something i have been training a lot and in the cinema it works on its own i think because there is no distraction um, but outside of it uh, you really need to focus yourself and this is something i have to work with constantly yeah yeah that's very um yeah but by the way like like we're getting a little bit um <laughs> we gotta look like a uh, psychologic here but i always wanted to ask you and i think that's this is a good stream to to do it because it's a uh, kind of like an open round talking about vagina candles and all this stuff mm. uh, so like like very broadly very briefly uh, what's your take on freud oh interesting oh, like, um, uh, analyze this <laughs> <laughs> well i have never studied him like deeply mm -hmm. what he talks about i just know the surface like things you heard here like in media or in, mm -hmm. yeah, you see pretty much mm -hmm. and well it's tough i yeah i think i agree with most things he says or has said rather but yeah yeah hmm. i'm actually torn because yeah um, i guess you agree with that that it's it's not like a yes or no answer because some things yes some things not so mm -hmm. much yeah i believe there's a there's a misconception about psychology nowadays you know like in in the whole world and i believe freud has something to do with it you know like for example we talked about uh, topics like uh, psychopathy and stuff like that yes. and uh how there's like, such a big misconception about that oh yeah and yeah this is my whole my whole shtick absolutely much. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm, that's why i was so interested in what you what you think about freud like the, yeah uh, you see yeah. Mm, the interesting part is that these whole things pretty much psychology psychology itself especially if it is not aligned with current social agendas mm -hmm. let's put it that way then this is quickly stigmatized to be bad or dark or right. whatever. And then they use, this was so funny. When I first studied all these nine dark traits, mm -hmm. which men supposedly have, at least some do, um, when it, sometimes you didn't even find them on Wikipedia, for example, mm -hmm. you could just find uh, it with the name of a disease. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like for example, exactly. sadism, is a, is one of the dark traits yes and wikipedia doesn't even have an article called sadism it has sadistic personality disorder or something like that mm -hmm. and this is the issue because sadism itself obviously it has bad traits 
to some degree if you use it wrongly and if you're consumed by it, but it can be a very, very helpful tool if you know how to use it properly. And this is the key part here, but society has stigmatized it to be bad. Mm-hmm. And then you see these things online and you search for sadism and the first thing you come across is a personality disorder mm-hmm. or an illness. And then you're like, all right, this is obviously bad for me, but it isn't, which is the whole thing I talk about, how to use these things which are within you because any man has some sadism within him to some degree. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it can be very useful if you use it right. But if you are consumed by it, obviously like most of these powerful things, then uh, yeah, that's bad. But to get back to this, this is how society usually acts with psychology. Mm-hmm. And this is why you really have to dig deep yourself if you're interested in these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Judge for yourself if it's helpful or not. Yeah, because I see the people who are like uh, sometimes referring to to Freud, and I don't, I don't really see a connection there. I don't really see like people I can identify with. That's why. Um, I mean, okay, I also believe like in in, in Jesus, and I have a problem with most people who believe in him. So <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily uh, draw the connection there. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough one. I believe I believe it's a little bit uh, unfair of me to like ask you, okay, what's your take on Freud? I mean, that's a little bit not, uh, it's a little bit unspecific. It's like, what's your take on smoking? You know, <laughs> yeah, the way you can ask me a specific thing of his, he said or was talking about. Maybe what I think of. Well, we, we we I believe we we should do a stream like so it's like something about that. I'm thinking about something. Yeah, we can do that. like sure. a like a psychological stream like a like a therapy session if you will oh yeah (laughs) so alex i was i was thinking about the episode we did before the godfather i think it was episode seven where we talked about the dark knight and we uh talked of course also about batman begins and uh yes and we talked about the league of shadows and oh yeah and i don't know if that's a little bit uh cheap of me now but uh, to be honest, to be honest, uh, what if there was like a real League of Shadows out there? And Alex, if only such a thing if, existed. If only yeah. such a thing existed, absolutely. Uh, Alex, I have heard that you have made something like that with the same name. Uh, it's actually one of your programs. And this is going to be a question, maybe you're going to hate me for it, but I- I'm going to ask you it. Nevertheless, what does your League of Shadows have in common with the League of Shadows in Batman Begins and uh, what not? Oh, this is actually a difficult question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because there are many things. Obviously, we are not in Nepal and on some sort of mountain. And you don't um, have to like collect this blue flower to get in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's no sort of ritual to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you might get kicked if you are not, uh, yeah, if you're not really doing your deed. Mm-hmm. Now you see the League of Shadows I launched is really my my take on creating great men, mm-hmm. like a group mentorship called sort of thing that really is. Mm-hmm. There are actual group mentorship calls within the League of Shadows, but. It starts with you joining and you will be laced with the nine dark traits I talk about a lot and my takes on that, what it means for you. Mm-hmm. 
and how you can use them, which, for example, sadism is one of them, as well as psychopathy, another great trait, and how to use them. And this is the group of men which really want to achieve in their life. And it's usually for someone who has like the regular life he was given by society, but he knows there's some more to it. Deep in his soul, he feels there is something. This is exactly how I felt in the past. Mm -hmm. And for me, sadly, there wasn't such a group. So I had to find these things myself and study all these books and things. Mm -hmm. But I decided why not have this sort of group where I can help these people directly to get to what they, where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And we talk about many things. You will learn how to fight and how to defend yourself, how to be prepared for like whatever society might bring, because I think there will be some sort of hell happening in the near future. Hmm. And other things as well. For example, in yesterday's group mentorship call, we talked about how to make money online, because money obviously is a basis of not just survival, but also living properly these days. So the League of Shadows is a very exclusive group. It's actually limited in how many people I will get in because I want to yeah, teach people directly. And obviously at some point my time runs out, so I have to like limit that. Mm -hmm. And it's really the, the, the only way to get directly in contact with me and other men who do the same thing as I do, mm -hmm. or at least try to be yeah, better man in the world and not the not society's viewpoint on it. And this is why I created the League of Shadows. Yeah. And I called it that because it uses mostly the dark traits, mm -hmm. which are considered dark by society, but I yes. don't think they are. But I run with that because I enjoy being stigmatized as the dark lord. That's kind of quite, quite funny to me. Yeah, I gotta say, like, uh, you were just giving me a little, like, uh, briefly glance on, on what you can expect there and I was like okay this has nothing to do with the League of Shadows like in Batman Begins and it, no, all, and, and it, and it does a little bit you know well, it does a little bit like uh, and I'll think about like uh, Ra's al Ghul's ideology of uh, the way he views society actually yeah. has something in common the way you and uh, your League of Shadows society you know right. like like uh just talking about the fact that you know that there's something wrong in the first place you know like not talking about your methods but just like okay uh, see guys there's the the world is actually burning you know more or less you know that you mentioned it actually you're right yeah i might have more in common with ross agul than i thought mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know but it's yeah. definitely um yeah, it's obviously not exactly the same, and we don't have these cool body armors, but maybe at some point we will. But you Hopefully. will definitely learn how to fight. There's also a... Immediately after you join, there is a podcast with one of the greatest martial artists out there. Uh -huh. uh, actually, one of the guys from the War Room. And this is a very, very great podcast. I enjoy this very much. And uh -huh. he has online Zoom classes for you to learn this, so... That's just many ways in which you will become a strong, powerful man within the League of Shadows. Yeah. And this is really exactly my, my goal with it. I want to create a strong, powerful, resilient man in a society which is mostly consistent of weaklings. So this is definitely the counterculture there. 
Absolutely. Alright guys, uh, check it out. Uh, you know where to find Alex, I'm not going to have to tell you. Links are in the description. Yeah. And uh, I believe if, if you just uh, go to your Twitter page, you find something about the yeah. League of Shadows, right? It's directly in the profile. Excellent. Okay. Um, actually, so that's it for tonight, isn't it? Tonight, uh, this morning. Yeah, it's <laughs> so this morning over here, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I'm glad everything went well. Uh, last week we had a little, uh, again, apologies from us if it was our fault. We still don't know what went wrong. But, uh, yeah. I think we, we lost our virginity on that one as well. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. So hopefully next week everything is going to be well as well. Next week we have our uh, like 10th anniversary, or at least our 10th episode. Just got to think about something special. I don't know what it is uh, going to be about, but we've got to do something special. Yeah. Yes. Have to figure something out. We'll find something for sure. All right. Uh, Alex, again, it's been an enjoying pleasure to speak to you, spend this uh, morning with you. As always, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week at the same time, live from Germany, all over the world. All right. That's it. Good night, everybody.